0: A 20-yard attempt. Josh Harris, the snapper, he'll call to the place, he'll hold it. Byron waits for the snap to the place. There it is, the kick is up, the kick is good! Auburn wins! 22-19! What's going on everybody and welcome to another episode of the Auburn Today Podcast. As always, my name is Noble, I'm joined here with my co-host Wheeler. Today, we've got a quicker podcast before things really start heating up next week. Uh, For game week, we've got just kind of a quick update about the fall camp situations, quarterback battles, all that good stuff. Um, We can just jump right into it. Wheeler, obviously, you know, there's been a second scrimmage and uh, more of an open practice that we saw uh, since we last were on a podcast. So just kind of let us know one week after our previous podcast, Are you still firm in your stance about the QB situation? What have you seen this week that is kind of changing your mind? And who do you think will take the first snap against Mercer? And who do you think will be the starter at the end of the season?
1: Red alert. We're in trouble, guys. Unless Robbie Ashford is the second coming of Nick Marshall, which is possible. It is very possible that he is the second coming of Nick Marshall. Um, I would say Tank Bixby is just as good, if not better, than Trey Mason. I'd say Jarquez Hunter is just as good, if not better, than Trey Mason. I would say that uh, Damari Austin sounds like he's going to be a baller too. Stellar running back room. I think that we're going to pull up Paige out of Gus's playbook, and we are just going to run the ball. I don't think we have a quarterback that is competent. I think we have Robbie, who I would assume is a very effective runner, which is why he's still in the competition. As we've said, TJ's a statue, but can hit passes when he's not being rushed. And then Zach Calzada broke. There was a reason he was the third string at A&M last year. I guess he's a gamer, but it sounds like he's firmly in third. Now, this this is coming off of a lot of open practices recently, a lot of media viewing periods, and I know it's practice. We're talking about practice. But when the video of Robbie Ashford came out yesterday where he hit like one of five passes against air, and you've got reports that in other media viewings, he's hitting like 50% of his passes against air. And these aren't like, 50-yard bombs. I mean, it's like a slant route in the end zone without alignment in front of you and without a DB. And it's going 10, 15 yards over guys' heads. Um, That's when I decided to hit the panic button. Uh, I'm in a dark place as far as I think how the offense is going to be this year. I really hope That there's just some miracle or Brian Harsin is just throwing up a big middle finger to the media and telling Robbie, hey, chunk the ball over this guy's head while the media is here. But that's a conspiracy theory that is probably not true. I don't think that there's an effective quarterback on the roster right now unless Robbie is effective at running the football and can, by the grace of God, somehow connect a pass to a receiver.
0: First of all, I think I'm still a little hung up on the fact that you said that Jarquez Hunter is possibly better than Trey Mason. I love Jarquez, but I think that might be a bit of a stretch. But freshman, QB, year,
1: freshman year, think about how much Trey played freshman year. And think yes, about what Jarquez also, did freshman year.
0: Yes, but also Trey in 2012 had a 1,000-yard season. and The chances of Jarquez having a 1,000-yard season coming up right now are pretty low.
1: If Tank was not here, I think he'd have a really good shot of having a 1,000-yard year.
0: Well, there you go. One of Wheeler's many hot takes is here and prevalent. But anyways, the QB controversy, I would say. The thing that was most baffling to me is we have heard all these reports of Zach Calzada being just putrid all-fall camp, you know, just buried under the depth chart, easy third string. But the practice on Saturday was really weird because – Zach was running with the twos pretty much exclusively. And it was like, even in the drills when they only had, when they were running one offense on one defense, two offense on two defense, and then everyone else was in the middle just watching, Zach was the one running the two offense, and Robbie was just with the guys just sitting there. So that was just kind of a, it was odd that if Robbie is so close to being a starter, why you're just wasting away those valuable reps that you can see him possibly showing off the starter, a starter caliber type player. So that was a little weird. Zach Calzada in the practice this past Saturday, I would say he was the best quarterback there in all but one play. And the issue was that was the play that went viral on Twitter. And it was a horrible, horrible interception that went straight to Jake Levant. It was terrible. It was really bad, and Keesaw let him hear it after he threw that. But he was by far the most accurate out of all of them. TJ looked the exact same. Robbie was missing everything. I mean, Robbie, I I do think Robbie is a better quarterback than what we saw on Saturday, but he was having a really bad practice. He was really struggling to throw the ball. And Calzada looked like he was the best out of the bunch. So that's the thing that's most confusing to me is that we haven't really heard that much of Robbie actually doing stuff that's good. Like, we're, we're hearing that people are like, oh, like, he's a dark course to start. Like, this might happen. He's looking good. But it's like, whenever we hear of things that are, like, actually, like, the stats from the drill or the stats from the scrimmage, he's not necessarily putting up great numbers in those drills or those stats. So, I'm just a little confused on where this Robbie momentum is coming from. Because everything we see and actually are witnessing and looking at, like, concrete things, it doesn't look like Robbie's doing that well, but we're being told that Robbie's potentially a starter. So I just think that's kind of a an odd situation. But the whole quarterback situation is just looking a little bleak right now because when they did, they did an accuracy drill, and it was all, all the quarterbacks participated. They did two segments. And the first one, Zach won. It was an it was a pure accuracy segment. You're standing seven ten yards away from you know the bag, and there's a small hole cut out. You got to throw it into the hole. So Zach, he he threw better than TJ and Robbie, and that's what really everyone's watching. Holden was close, but couldn't. You know he was he was struggling a little bit. So Zach won the first segment, and then walk on Trey Lindsey won the second. I don't like it when a walk on wins the quarterback competition. That just – that's just not anything that instills confidence. And so I, I just really – I think that's the biggest concern is not even if the quarterback can be good, it's can this quarterback even be serviceable. I think that is the real discussion because this roster is good enough that if we just have a a meh, serviceable, okay, he's fine kind of guy, we can win some football games. But the thing is, I haven't seen anything that makes me think that one of these three guys can be that this fall. Like, from everything we've seen and heard and heard from everybody that's close to the program and even the coaches in the interviews, they're not really instilling that much confidence in the quarterback. So I think that's just the biggest fear that has arisen in the past two weeks is, like, oh, shoot, is anyone even going to be somewhat good in this group? And it's looking like TJ is going to get the first snap. But I I really think that the best course of action is to give all three guys substantial snaps in this Mercer game to see, like, because Mercer is the kind of game they're not going to be scoring enough that they will win this game. And if they do, it's the defense's fault, regardless of how the offense plays. But the offense should be good enough that you give every guy a quarter, and then the fourth quarter is played by the best one. And obviously, it's not a great strategy. It's not what you want to hear. But these, you have to figure out which quarterback is going to be the best. And obviously, the fall is not really showing that anyone's going to be very good. So I, I just I, I don't know what the easiest solution is. But it just seems like there is so much left to be seen from these quarterbacks. And we're getting closer to the season. And it doesn't really seem like anyone is rising higher than anyone else.
1: It, it honestly seems like Harson is running a conspiracy campaign to hide the fact that he's confident in Zach Calzada because there's not been any media viewing where Zach Calzada has looked putrid. They, he didn't look bad in the scholarship donor practice. There's, there's been no time where Zach has looked bad when anyone other than the coaches were watching and everyone's like, oh, he's third string. Meanwhile, we got these other two guys who have had not great performances in front of other people, and they're like, oh, yeah, starters. It's just strange. And then Brian Harsin, sometimes I think he's just messing with people when he comes out and says, Holden Gurnier throws the best ball I've ever seen. It's like, um, okay, so you've got three quarterbacks that you're going to play in the first game because none of them have risen, because none of them are very good at throwing the football. But you've got a guy who's the best thrower you've ever seen, and he's not in the three that you're considering playing? I'm sorry. That just doesn't make that much sense to me. Unless earlier in the year, because remember Horson said in one of his first press conferences, it's not all about how you spin the ball. Just because you can spin the football and throw it doesn't mean that you're ready to play quarterback. And I think everybody just assumed that he was talking about T.J. Finley because everybody's like, "Oh, he throws a perfect spiral." What if the man was talking about Holden the whole time and was like, "Holden doesn't have a clue what's going on on the <laughs> offense, but Dad gum, he's the only one that can hit somebody the broadside of a barn." I mean, noble. I'm sorry that Robbie Ashford video that went viral.
0: It was. It was. It's the saddest it thing concerning. I've ever seen.
1: I mean, you could go to almost any high school in Alabama and watch them warm up on Friday night, and they are probably going to have a more successful time just hitting people.
0: Just by looking at that video, if it was a – I kid you not, if it was a high school and it was the assistant coach for the high school throwing balls to the quarterback, the head coach would take one look at that and pick a different assistant coach to throw the ball because it wasn't really – a lot of them, it wasn't even given the receivers a chance, and it was on air. It's just like, that should not, if you have played football, any position on the football, that drill should not be that hard. If you are a quarterback at any level, that drill should not be that hard. If you are a SEC quarterback, that drill should not be that hard. If you're an SEC quarterback that's in contention to start, that drill should not be very hard. And Robbie made it look like it was the Super Bowl. Like, it was it was bad. He hit two slants. He hit two slants in the drill. And, and I would say the back shoulder basketball.
1: throws are difficult. The back shoulder throws that he misses yeah. in the video are difficult. The ball to Camden Brown that went fifteen yards over his head is a pick because the safety that just got beat by the receiver is just sitting back there and it goes right into his belly and it's probably going for six.
0: And that's just the thing that is the the most concerning is that it's just like you're you're just like how does this happen? And you watch and I will say when we when I was at the practice when I was watching the guys play, TJ's offense ran the smoothest. It wasn't necessarily the the best offense, but it, it did run the smooth. TJ knows the offense; he knows where guys are going. That did seem to be something that Robbie struggled with in that practice. There were a couple plays when it was almost like the guys were set and the coach came out and told a guy to move. And it looked like Robbie – because, you know, the Robbie is supposed to select and tell everyone where to go. And it looked like he – it's almost like the QBs know what they're supposed to do, but TJ is the only QB that knows what everyone's supposed to do. And obviously, if you're going to start a quarterback, he's got to know what all offensive positions are doing on play. So I'm wondering if that's a problem. And really, I'm hoping – le- and this is all assuming – that TJ has just not shown that he's better in practices. Maybe he is better. Maybe he is miles better than he was. The practices have not necessarily shown that. If he is miles better, we're going to be excited, and when he's playing, we'll be able to see that. But Think that could the
1: video be a- that went viral on Twitter of Shedrick Jackson going up and getting the ball. It literally looked like somebody kicked the ball Like, the ball was such a not spiral. Guys, just go and look at Auburn football's Twitter and look at the ball that these receivers are catching. I mean, it is flopping around sideways and spinning on its side. I'm like, how does a football even carry like that? Like, how'd you even hit the receiver when you had a football traveling like that? And normally TJ is like an actual spiral guy. I'll give him that. That guy, when you see him do a quarterback drill, you're like, wow. Ball jumps out of his hand, tight spiral. The video that went viral on Twitter literally looked like a kid punted it at a tailgate and the ball's just spinning uncontrollably through the air.
0: Yeah, and that's another and that is another thing that I will say. TJ usually, like when TJ is on air, he looks like a high school candidate. Because that man, when he is sitting in a completely clean pocket and he has time to throw the ball, usually it's pretty good. But the issue is you're not going to have that very often in college football, especially not with our offensive line. And so I I just don't really see how much better TJ can get because it's almost like the things he's done good at were things that we knew he was good at. It was things that he was excelling at last season at Auburn and last season at LSU. Like, he can throw the ball when it's completely clean and when it's on air. And most quarterbacks, you should be able to say the same. The thing with TJ is – he's better than most quarterbacks when it's completely clean on air. The issue with Robbie is he's significantly worse than most quarterbacks when he's throwing on air. And maybe he's just really locked in and he really needs to see the defense there and he really needs to see the challenge. But that's just not an assumption I like to make when watching a guy just throw to his receivers that are just running routes. I mean, that's almost like backyard football at that point. I mean, you don't pick – if someone completes 50% of their passes in backyard football, that you're not playing on a defense, you're just like, we're not going to play you at quarterback. So, I, I I, I just think that the whole quarterback situation is just an absolute question mark. I mean, there is no confidence whatsoever. There has been nothing that we have seen that can instill confidence in us from fall, and I don't think any practices in the future are going to really instill confidence. And I could be wrong about that, but I don't think our opinion – I don't think anyone's opinion on the QBs can legitimately change until you see them week one playing a football game. Because – and obviously, I, I don't know if I buy into the whole – I mean, if Harson is putting Calzada under wraps, just to surprise everybody with a good quarterback, I just think it's kind of weird. Like, I mean, that's just, that's just a weird course of action to do. Like, that's not even – like, you know, people say – Like with Gus, people would get mad about gimmicks and high school stuff. Like, that's not even something you do in high school. Like, that's something you do in middle school where it's like you've got this stud that's just bigger and stronger than everybody, and he doesn't practice. Then he shows up off the bus, and everyone's like, Who is this kid? This kid is definitely not 12 years old. That's that kind of energy. And I just feel like, on one hand, I feel like there is no way, absolutely no way that that is true. But if I've learned anything, from Brian Harson at Auburn, I'm not ruling it out. And I hate that I'm not ruling it out. But I guess we'll just wait and see. But if Calzada comes out and is just an absolute world beater, I think I will just be shocked at the state of shenanigans that Brian Harson is running during his fall camp.
1: Unless, Unless he says, look, guys, he's just a gamer. Yeah. Because it might really be a thing of, like, you put him out there and, in the hopes that he's a gamer. Like, he may just be horrible in practice, but the other guys are too. So, you're like, well, at least in games last year, he looked okay. Let's just throw him out there and see what happens. That genuinely might be what happens.
0: It might be, but I just I just don't understand. And really, I don't understand how Zach doesn't understand the playbook to be totally honest with you. I mean, he had the whole spring when he was injured, so he had more time to study the playbook and figure out what was going on, and he obviously doesn't know what's going on. Because If we're talking about raw ability from what we have seen in games, so obviously Robbie is not really in this discussion because we haven't seen Robbie play a game of football since he was in high school, but Zach looked the part. At Texas A&M, you watched him and you were like, "Okay, this guy is a serviceable quarterback." You watch TJ and you were like, "There are some things that this guy needs to work on before he becomes a really serviceable quarterback." Obviously, didn't win a game as a starter last season. You would, you just, you look at him in practice and you're like, "There's, there can't be that much of a decline. Like, you can't get that much worse at football in a year when you are." still playing football actively and practicing and trying to get better. Like, I just don't understand how there was such a digression in Zach Calzada's play that all of a sudden TJ is magically better. And that's why I'm wanting to assume that TJ is better because I just, it's just difficult to imagine that Zach has gotten worse and just can't figure out the offense. I mean, it's not like it's super complex.
1: What, what about this? what if he like sitting in a meeting room he knows the offense but the mental capacity to know where everybody's supposed to line up read the defense and then go and execute athletically is where the wires are getting crossed and, and that uh, might be it takes us saying as the third string quarterback when you play your third string quarterback you're not operating with your full offense that's true and so his mental capacity had to be probably half to a quarter of what it is now because he only had to know whatever small bit of the playbook Jimbo decided to run because he was probably running the scout team week one, you know? Uh-huh. So he's not even running the Texas A&M offense through fall camp. I mean, starting this week last year, Zach Calzada was probably preparing for whatever duffer Texas A&M had come into town in two weeks. And so – not there's so much more than just running the plays. And I think Carson may have been trying to say that with like the operation of everything of like getting 11 guys out on the field, not getting a delay of game penalty, just playing intelligible football. You know, it's like if, if you give him the play and you say, Hey, this is what we're running and it's like a scripted thing, he might be fine. But when he's having to read a defense and make sure there's 11 guys, I mean, There's a lot that goes into it mentally. Like being a quarterback is a very mentally taxing thing, and it's very difficult to use your mind at that level and then go and perform athletically without getting in your head.
0: So do you think from what from just purely what we saw last season, do you think that I mean obviously we both agree last season Calzada was better than T J Bentley? Do you believe that the gap in their play is wide enough that you take risk on TJ Finley not knowing every facet of the offense or TJ Finley playing that TJ knows the whole offense but might not be as good Calzada's is better but doesn't know the whole offense do you take the risk with Calzada that the other positions aren't going to mess up or do you take the risk with Finley that the other positions can elevate their play to cover up for his shortcomings that he might have
1: I think you start T.J. Finley against the Duffer team week one where you know that Tank Bigsby is going to be able to run all over him. You know Jarquez Hunter is going to be able to run all over him. You know your line's going to get some holes. And it doesn't matter who you put at quarterback because they're going to be able to run the ball in this game. Or they Theoretically, they should be able to run the ball. I guess that didn't happen against Georgia Southern or State or whatever they were called. But – I think that there were some external factors going on that week that they will be prepared for week one. We will run the football in week one. And I think you run the guy out there that knows how to operate the offense in week one. And then you switch off with Zach to try and get him to see if he can operate the offense. So I think you'll see TJ come in. I think that Zach's going to be number two coming off the bench. And then I think you just throw Robbie out there and he's going to do the Malik Willis look amazing against Mercer And everybody's like, oh, he's the GOAT. 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 Well,
0: and so that that can that actually, you know, funnels into my next question. Obviously, you know, Harson has alluded that Robbie might have some specific packages due to his running abilities that won't necessarily be strictly for him running, that he might be seen a little bit more. Do you think that so I, I have two questions for you. So we're both in the boat that we do not think Robbie will be the starter for the whole season. And we'll, you know, time will tell if we're right or wrong about that. Do you think Robbie or Calzada will get more snaps? And do you think Robbie or Holden will get more snaps
1: over the course of the season? Yes. I think Robbie will get more snaps because I think Robbie will get a snap in every single game. And I think Holden will not play in most games because it kind of sucks for holding the two games that he probably would have gotten in on. You're going to keep somebody that's in the quarterback competition yeah. in for those games, like the whole
0: game, you would imagine.
1: Yeah. It'll probably be Robbie TJ or Zach playing quarterback the entire first two games. Um, and I don't see them running holding out there against Penn state or Missouri or Georgia I mean, unless Holden just, like, gets the light that turns on and he understands the offense, and I don't know. My hot take that I told DeNoble the other day, and this is probably the hottest take I've ever had, is that Holden will start in the Iron Bowl. I was in a dark place. I thought Auburn's going to suck. We're going to have three wins going into the Iron Bowl, and it's going to be similar to when Jonathan Wallace got to play in the last two games. Just because you're trying something, I could see it happening. I'm really concerned that the wheels are going to fall off on this season
0: i I don't want to abandon hope because I, I still think that if we have a serviceable quarterback we can win nine games. I agree it's just all of this drama about the quarterback is extremely concerning because you just don't know. You just don't quite know what to expect and what you're going to see. And you really won't know until week three at the earliest because weeks one and two are not going to teach you anything about the quarterback competition because if they look good, you're still going to wait for them to look good against a good team. And if they look bad, then you're hitting the panic button that they look bad against Mercer and San Jose state. What are they going to look like against Penn state and LSU? So, I really don't think that we're going to have a concrete, confident look on our faces until we walk out of week three and the quarterback looks good. So that's kind of my thing is you, you just don't really, it's just the whole thing's a question mark. And you've been hearing good things about a bunch of different positions. And if we've been hearing, if we had been hearing good things about Zach Calzada, who we had seen win games, you know, that, that, I feel like that's the difference is that the, the TJ Finley, Hype when they're saying, Oh, he looks better than he did. It's similar to when we would hear that Jeremy Johnson looks a lot better. It's like, Well, yeah, but we've seen him in games and he didn't look that good and he didn't really win. And it wasn't necessarily if it was Sean White. If Sean White was coming into 2017 and people were saying, Oh, Sean White's looking pretty good, then we could have actually gotten hype from that because in 2016, he started, he won games, he beat ranked teams, he won big games. TJ hasn't done that, so hearing that TJ is looking better doesn't really instill that much confidence because the bar was a little bit lower before. Now, if Zach Calzada, who we had seen win big games, if we had heard that he was looking good, then all of a sudden we're like, you know, we're all smoking the crack, we're all excited for the season, we're talking about all the other position groups that are looking good, but the fact that none of the quarterbacks have really been getting that much praise, it's put all the hype to the team to a screeching halt, despite most other position groups looking good. You know, I mean, Camden Brown's emergence has been a huge plus. He's looking like he's going to be a big stud. He looked great uh, on Saturday's practice. Caden Bridges, obviously, he's been a guy that's been taking steps who's probably going to start this season. And then you just keep hearing about guys. Cam Riley is another one. You just keep hearing about guys that are, you know, really taking steps in the fall and are slated to make some, you know, get some time but we're not really talking about it because we're talking about quarterbacks.
1: That's fair, but it, I don't know. I agree with you that all these hypotheticals are true, but the reality of the situation is that every bit of actual what I've seen with my eyes has been worse than I could have ever imagined. And that could change during the game. I, Because I don't want to be that guy that watches just practice stuff and is like, oh, you got to be perfect in every practice rep. Because, like, you are practicing. But there's a difference in, like, spring practice practice and, hey, there's a game in two weeks and you're not hitting the receivers. And so, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm definitely hitting the panic button. But... You're right. It could not be as bad as I think it is. And
0: time will tell with that. But this can, you know, uh, segue into our next thing. We talked about Nick Brahms a little bit last week. His level of uncertainty is continuing to increase. Wheeler, just real quick, give us your thoughts about Nick Brahms and if he is out for the season, your confidence level in Tate Johnson too still get the job done along a offensive line full of experience.
1: Yeah, I mean, Brahms is a guy that's been at Auburn for a long time, but I don't think that the drop-off from him is going to be that significant. Um, I think Tate Johnson will be able to step up and do just fine. Um, I hate it for Nick, you know, that, that it looks like he's going to be out for the season, but, you know. As far as actual performance and how it's going to affect the Auburn football team, I, I don't think it's going to really change that much.
0: I agree. I really think it could be very reminiscent of when, ironically, when Nick Brahms overtook Caleb Kim in the middle of the 2018 season, and really their play wasn't – their blocking really wasn't that different, but the biggest difference was Nick Brahms was better at snapping the football than Caleb Kim was, so that was the biggest Change, but you really didn't see much of a drop off of actual blocking and knowing the offense. Um, and so that just kind of with the offensive line, this can, you know, segue into our next thing with five offensive linemen for Auburn signing an NIL deal with Hooters. You had Court Bradley, Brandon Council, Jaleel Irvin, Keandre Jones, and um, oh, the last one, who was the freshman from Auburn I'm blanking on his name right now, uh, EJ Harris all signed the NIL, uh, the NIL deal with Hooters. Wheeler, just give us a quick rundown of your thoughts about that whole, that whole deal with Hooters, trying to give the big guys some love signing NIL deals with 10 different schools across the Southeast.
1: Well, Noble, I was really concerned because I was reading the caption from the uh, graphic that you had that had some Auburn football players and Hooters. And on the second line, you started talking about Auburn women's soccer. And I thought that there was a correlation between your graphic and the women's soccer team until I quickly realized that you were just updating us on how the ladies were doing with their season. <laughs> and that gave me <laughs> that I was like, wow, good. Cause I thought we were going to get canceled for literally about half a second. I was like, Noble's gone rogue. Noble's gone rogue. I need to log in. I need to l- delete this post. I don't know what's happened. But this is not good. And then I read the caption. I was like, "Whew, we are all good." But that shows what you think about the Hooters thing is. You got to read the caption and make sure that everything's above board. But hey, good for the big guys getting some wings. Happy for them. At least they got something. Yep,
0: they definitely, they definitely got something, and that was just uh. Interesting and that those are. I think those are the best nil deals because of pure exposure. You know, like it's like it's obviously everyone knows, everyone knows He's the about optics.
1: Exposure and hooters. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Maybe not the best choice of words, no. Okay, gosh. not the not
0: the best not the best choice of words, but the optics of the situation is you know that everybody that. <laughs> Everybody's going to see it. Yes. Everyone's going to see it all over Twitter. Like, oh, yes, Hooter are. signed all these athletes, whatever. And so that does help with your NIL deal when it goes viral on Twitter and it's just very visible to everybody. <laughs> Wheeler is really messing me up on this one. This is where you just might have to move on. Struggling to keep this one with a straight face. But regardless, that's the update about the Auburn offensive line. The experienced guys, you know, getting some getting some money with the with the Hooters nil deal, and now to move on to something that Wheeler probably will not be laughing at the whole time. Uh, today, Auburn announced their three permanent captains for this upcoming football season with Owen Papo, Derek Hall, and John Samuel Schenker. And so, Wheeler, I have we're going to bring back the Auburn football trivia on the podcast. All right, are you ready?
1: Yeah. So I'm ready.
0: All right. This is kind of a uh, two-part question. The, the second part I'm making up completely on the fly. Uh, so there have only been three times, in, or this will be the fourth time in Auburn football history that a player has been named team captain in back-to-back seasons. Okay? The first one was Curtis Kuykendall in 1944 and 1945, which also, what record does Curtis Kuykendall hold at Auburn University? No clue. He holds the record for most rushing yards in a single game with three hundred and seven. And it was almost broken by Trey Mason in the twenty thirteen Iron Bowl or in the twenty thirteen SEC Championship. He was three yards short. Anyways, the second repeat captain was Gusty Out in nineteen sixty six and sixty seven. Owen Papo is the fourth one. Who was the third one? I'll give you a hint. It was in the past 15 years.
1: Past 15 years?
0: Past 15 years.
1: Josh Bynes.
0: Incorrect. It was Reese Dismukes was the team captain in 2013 and 2014. And so Owen Papo has put himself in a very exclusive company with those three, but with these three guys being the captains and being selected to represent Auburn, it's always good to see guys that have you know, expressed leadership from multiple years and excited to see what especially Owen Papo can do uh, as a healthy player this season.
1: Yeah, I don't know if he'll get the same uh, <clears throat> exposure that the O-lineman got, but good for him.
0: Yeah, good for him. But anyway, I think that wraps up you know, our podcast for this week. We'll be back next week to hopefully have a little bit more cheery disposition on the podcast and that we will have you know, a little bit more clarity in the quarterback comp- competition. In all likelihood, a starter will be named by then, so we will be able to go pretty in-depth about the guy who will be starting. Will be, uh, It'll officially be a game week podcast, so we'll be prepping uh, Mercer, giving you all some – insight on the bears how their season's going i believe they have a week zero game so we'll actually be able to you know look at an actual game from this season we won't be just going back to last season so we'll have all that for you guys next week um as always thank you guys so much for listening and war eagle war eagle